Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Got a surprise episode coming at you on a Saturday here. We're going to be talking some college basketball, which the more we get into the winter, the more football starts to unwind, is going to be a huge part of the podcast here. College basketball daily fantasy, to me, is very enjoyable because it's an under-researched, underutilized sport, much like college football kind of like golf. Golf is starting to get more like NFL, but in the NFL and the NBA, it's really hard to win in daily fantasy because there's so many guys that do a lot of research. There's so many guys that have lineup optimizers. There's so many guys that just have tools that are accessible to the public that it makes it harder to win on a night in night out basis. College basketball is not that. College basketball, a lot of people are playing guessing games. And if you just do a little bit of research and put in a little bit of effort, you can put yourself ahead in that guessing game. So on this episode, we are going to talk about some general strategies for playing college basketball daily fantasy. So if you listen to this after Monday, like totally fine, like just listen to the first five, 10 minutes here and you're going to get all the strategies you need to be successful at playing college basketball daily fantasy this season. And then we are going to preview Monday's slate of games, really kind of the opening night of college basketball around the country and talk about some guys that... I want to put in my lineups, maybe I don't want to put in my lineups, some situations to target and situations to avoid for opening night. All right, y'all, in case you can't tell, I love college basketball. I love this time of year when we've got football and basketball going on. It just makes for great sports television night in and night out. So I'm really looking forward to this episode, really looking forward to college basketball season. So before I start off with my general strategies for playing college basketball DFS, let's get a quick word from our friends at Anchor. College basketball daily fantasy has been one of my more profitable sports over the years because of three basic strategies that I follow. The first one is you need to know the tempo of the teams that are playing in the games. So generally speaking, a good advisor on tempo is to just look at the over-under for the game. We want to play games that have the over-unders in the 150s and 140s, and we want to avoid games that are in the 100s and the 110s because more points scored, generally speaking, is an indicator of more possessions. And when you're getting more possessions, you're getting more fantasy points because even if that possession doesn't end in a made field goal, it's going to end in a blocked shot, a steal, a made rebound, or, you know, just whatever. The more possessions means more fantasy points. So we want to play teams that are getting a lot of fantasy points. Like I said, tip number one is to look at the over-unders. The second part of this is if you have, if you are a big college basketball fan, you have probably heard of Ken Pomeroy and the rankings that he does at KenPom.com. Ken Pom ranks every team by tempo. And so we want to play teams that are uh, high in tempo, or playing against teams that are high in tempo, because like I said, more possessions equals more fantasy points. Now, you know, generally speaking, you'll see the same teams pop up night in and night out, like Duke, North Carolina, Auburn, Arkansas, all play with high tempos, Arizona, another one as well. Whereas you get teams like Wisconsin, uh, Michigan is generally pretty low tempo, like Pretty much the whole Big Ten is low tempo, if we're being honest. Um, so you want to avoid low tempo games. You want to you know, factor in high tempo games. Also, another thing is zone teams kind of mess this up a little bit, like Syracuse and Washington. You know, The fact that they play 2-3 zone all the time, they generally end up being low tempo, but it can flip to high tempo if teams are taking quick shots out of the zone. So you never really know what's going to happen there. But like I said, look at the over-under, look at the Ken Palm rankings. We want high-tempo matchups all the time because we want more possessions. 
Tip number two is stacking. So if you are a veteran of playing college fantasy football or NFL fantasy football, you are probably well aware of stacking a quarterback with their wide receiver, with their tight end, maybe even with their running back, because if a team's scoring points, multiple guys on that team are going to be scoring points. College basketball, we can take advantage of the same concept. If we know that Duke is projected to score 80 points on a given night, and if I can find out who's going to be scoring those 80 points, I can put all of them into my lineup and capitalize on it. So like I said, to kind of go in conjunction with the tempo tip from earlier, if you stack a team that has a high tempo or a game that has a high tempo playing like five or six guys from the same game, you can really capitalize and get yourself a lot of fantasy points. And also what makes it even better is it reduces the amount of things that you have to get right. If Duke and North Carolina are playing, and I know that those are two high tempo teams, and I play six guys from that game, then guess what that means? That means that if that game goes nuclear, those six guys are instantly right. If I pick six guys that are playing in six different games, I got to get the game flow of all six of those games correct. So it makes it a little bit easier to be right if you stack the right teams and the right games playing fantasy college basketball. Now, the last tip that I'm going to give is more so about the salaries on FanDuel and DraftKings. So in fantasy football, whether it be college or NFL, punt plays are a thing that is used quite often. A punt play in daily fantasy sports is when you play a guy that is at or near the minimum salary to save yourself a lot of, you know, a lot of salary cap for other guys, knowing that they might not score a whole lot of points. In college basketball, punt plays are something that we do not want to make because just simply put, you can't afford a goose egg. It would be much more beneficial to play a guy who's $1,000 up to get you know 15 to 20 points than to risk getting that goose egg from a guy that is your punt play. Now, I always think about punt plays like this. So there are some guys that are just slightly above punt plays. So back when I was a kid, you know, I've mentioned before on the podcast here that I live in North Carolina. We used to have season tickets to Wake Forest basketball games. And this was during the Chris Paul era. And so one thing that I always remember was Chris Paul, you know, obviously great player, right? And just, you know, who doesn't like Chris Paul? But what I always remember was when Wake would play those games, they would sit Chris Paul for about three total minutes. In those three total minutes, there was another point guard that would come in and he would be the point guard for those three minutes. And then Chris Paul's break was done and then he would go back to the bench. You know, that happens a lot in college basketball when, especially now that, you know, we're in an era where uh, rotations are getting shorter with the transfer portal being more common, teams aren't going 10 and 11 deep anymore. So teams are playing their seven to eight guys. And, you know, we want to avoid playing guys that are not in those seven to eight guys. Like we don't want to play guys that are just going to get in for three or four minutes a game because you'd have to make one heck of an impact in those three to four minutes if you want to be any kind of fantasy viable. So, in college basketball, generally speaking, we avoid the punt play that is so common in football. Now, one thing that I do think, if you are really, really bold, you can attempt a punt play in a game that you think is going to be a blowout. Because in a blowout, those guys on the bench are going to get in, right? So if you think that Kentucky's going to beat somebody by 30 and you want to play a Kentucky bench player, that's a strategy you can you know, reasonably go for. It is very high risk. It can be high reward. But generally speaking, like I said, I avoid punt plays in college basketball. So those three tips, tempo, meaning look at over-unders, look at Ken Palm. Stacking, meaning play guys on the same team, 
play guys in the same game. And then avoiding punt plays, avoiding playing bench players or deep rotation players. Those are the three strategies that I have used to be successful in college basketball over the years, and you can use them this year as well. All right, so that was about six minutes on general strategy. I think we did a pretty good job of summing that up in a reasonable amount of time. So let's go ahead and start talking about Monday's slate of college basketball and the different games and players that I want in my lineups Monday night. One thing that I do want to talk about before we preview the Monday slate is the difference in college basketball between minutes and usage. So when a player gets a lot of minutes, that just means they are out on the court. When they are getting usage, that means that they are actively involved in the offense. So they're getting the ball in their hands. They're getting an opportunity to either score it or assist it. And so when you look at a lot of these games, you're going to see a lot of guys that have a lot of minutes and not a whole lot of usage. You're going to see guys that get a lot of minutes and a lot of usage. You know, just it is what it is. But there's good spots to play high minutes, and there's good spots to play guys that are high usage. So when you look at a game like we talked about earlier that has a high tempo, we like guys that get a lot of minutes in high tempo games because more possessions means more points, and it also means that your guys that are lower usage might luck into a wide-open three-pointer or an offensive rebound or a steal, or an assist, So just because the ball happens to be in their hands. So definitely something to consider as we go forward is the difference between minutes and usage, and we definitely want as much of both of them in our lineups at all times. Now, one other thing I do want to talk about also is big men in college basketball is becoming an increasingly fluid situation. What I mean by that is this. There aren't a whole lot of teams anymore that are playing your traditional small forward, power forward, center. And it's, you know, two guys that can't shoot and can't stretch the floor. You're seeing a lot of teams that play small ball with a shorter guy playing at the five and, you know, a guy that can shoot at the five, a guy that can shoot at the four. It's, it's differentiating a lot team by team. So if you can target situations where you can take advantage of a team that is smaller or a team that is bigger, do it. Because some, there's sometimes where some of these old school centers will get played right off the floor because they can't guard on the perimeter with some of these smaller guys. And vice versa. Some of these smaller guys will get played right off the floor because they can't hang down low with the big bodies. So take advantage of those situations when you can. I think there are a few of them, and I will highlight them for this Monday's slate. All right, now let's start talking Monday. One thing that we have to keep in mind as we look at Monday's slate and really every slate of fantasy college basketball until Thanksgiving is that we've got a lot of unknowns. There are a lot of guys, thanks to the transfer portal, thanks to recruiting, that are in different positions than they were in last season. And teams are going to have different lineups than they had last season. And so figuring out what those rotations are going to look like and who is going to fill what role might take a little bit. But what it also does for us is that if we can kind of pinpoint where FanDuel and DraftKings might have messed up on their pricing, where we might take advantage of guys at a lower price than their role is going to be, those are situations we also want to target. Now, are we going to bat 1,000 on those? Absolutely not. But sometimes you got to take the shot, right? So the first game that I want to talk about is the Arkansas and North Dakota State game. We like Arkansas because they play with a high tempo. Eric Musselman is one of the you know higher tempo guys in college basketball for coaches. One downside with Eric Musselman though is he builds heavily through the transfer portal. So these Arkansas teams that you know they've had some decent tournament runs the last few years, they look very different year in and year out. So this year, 
they've got three really highly rated recruits, and that is Nick Smith, Anthony Black, and Jordan Walsh. Those three figure to be the main offensive weapons for this team, and I absolutely get why they're priced so high. I don't yet know which one of them is going to be the guy yet. You know, they're all used to being the guy. They were all five-star recruits. So I don't know which one of them is going to be the guy. If you want to do a strategy where you kind of play one of them in each lineup, that would be something I would be a proponent of this week because you get to see which one of them is going to be the guy. And if one of them is the guy, you're going to have the lineup that is correct. Now, one thing that I do want to point out is that they do have two transfers that are, in my opinion, severely underpriced on DraftKings, and those are the Mitchell brothers, Mackay and Mikkel. They are transferring from Rhode Island, which might not sound that glamorous, but Rhode Island's actually been a pretty quality program over the last five years. They're very athletic big man players, and it looks like Mackay is going to be the guy you want. They're very similar players. Mikel is priced much higher because Mikel had better stats at Rhode Island, but looking at everything I've seen coming out of Arkansas, out of their inner squad scrimmage, out of their exhibition games, Mackay seems to be the guy getting more minutes and more production. So Mackay Mitchell is probably a guy that I'm going to have in my lineup Monday night. Now, North Dakota State is on the other side of this game. Grant Nelson is their leading returning scorer. So if you're looking for a guy that maybe gets a boost in this high tempo game, gets more shots, gets more possessions, Grant Nelson might be that guy. The only other two guys that were in any kind of role last season that are returning are Bowden Scunberg and Andrew Morgan. So I'm probably not playing anybody outside of those three names on North Dakota State just because a lot of unknown there. Now, the other game I want to talk about is Kentucky and Howard. So for Kentucky, Oscar Sheboy is likely to be out for this game. It's not for certain just yet, but John Calipari in all of his press conferences seems to indicate that Oscar Sheboy, the reigning national player of the year, is not going to play in this game. The primary beneficiary of this is going to be Jacob Toppin. If that name sounds familiar, his older brother, Obi Toppin, was the national player of the year in 2020 at Dayton. Obi Toppin was a late bloomer. He went for a year of prep school, you know, practiced for a year at Dayton, had one semi-decent year at Dayton, and then exploded to be national player of the year. If Jacob, like his older brother, Obi, is a late bloomer, this could be the year where Jacob Toppin really takes off. And word out of Kentucky's beat writers and out of what their coaches are saying, they really like Jacob Toppin heading into this season. And so I think he's going to be the primary beneficiary of Oscar Shibway being out because he's going to get those post touches. He's going to get used in the pick and roll. He might not be the rebounder that Shibway is, but that's okay. He can still score fantasy points by scoring and being involved in the offense. If you're looking at a guy where you're just trying to say, okay, who's going to replace Sheboy in the lineup? Toppin would have started anyway. Who's going to replace Sheboy in the starting lineup? It'll either be Lance Ware or Damon Collins. I don't know which one, though. And Damon Collins might not even play. So um, unless I can get more information on that situation, I'm probably avoiding trying to play one of those two guys. But very high upside plays if Oscar Sheboy is indeed out. Antonio Reeves for Kentucky is a transfer from Illinois State who scored 20 a game last season. Now look, that doesn't mean that he's just going to step right into Kentucky and be the guy and score 20 a game. But hey, if you got the skills to score 20 a game, you got the skills to score 20 a game. So in a blowout game like this against Harvard, or a projected blowout game like this, not Harvard, against Howard, my bad. In a projected blowout game like this against Howard, Antonio Reeves could be a guy that comes in and fills up the score sheet because he knows how to score. 
Another guy that I like for Kentucky is C.J. Frederick. He's priced at $3,300 on DraftKings. He is Kentucky's floor spacer. He is their best shooter. I definitely like him to get a lot of minutes and a lot of points at only $3,300. On the other side of this game, Howard returns two of their top three scores from last season. And if you look at the pricing, it's pretty obvious who. So I'm probably avoiding playing anybody other than their top two guys, just personally. Another team that we'd like to target is Auburn. Auburn plays at a pretty fast tempo, but they have so many guys that are questionable or in unknown roles on this team that I'm okay with not playing any of them unless we get more information prior to tip-off. This is just a major unknown team right now. We might know not, not know a whole lot about Auburn until Thanksgiving with how many guys that they've got to figure out just how they fit into this roster. On the other side of the game from Auburn, Devontae Gaines from George Mason seems to be one of their high-usage players. He started last season, was one of their leading scorers, played a lot of minutes, and he's only $4,100 on DraftKings. I think that is a bargain for a guy who is guaranteed to see minutes and is guaranteed to see usage in a game that is at a pretty high tempo. Looking at the Michigan Wolverines, there's only one guy that I want. That's Hunter Dickinson. Now, let me give you guys an example of a situation that we want to take advantage of. Big men against mid-majors historically feast in college basketball because teams that have, or mid-major teams, excuse me, mid-major teams generally don't have the size or athleticism in their front court to compete with some of these power five guys that are going to be NBA players. If you want, you know, some evidence for this, go look at Mark Williams from Duke's game log last season. He feasted against teams that had mid-major talent and kind of didn't do so high against some other top ACC competition. So big man against mid-majors we like. Hunter Dickinson is a junior. He was Michigan's leading scorer last season. He's Michigan's best player. He's a national player of the year candidate. Absolutely lock him in your lineups with no question marks, Hunter Dickinson. So another team that I mentioned earlier for being one of the top tempo teams in the country is Arizona. Under Tommy Lloyd, they became one of the best offensive teams in the nation. And I expect that to continue this season, even though it's with a different cast of characters. Christian Coloco and Benedict Matherin are both gone, so they're going to have to replace that production. And the likely candidate seems to be Azulis Tubelis, who was their four last season. He was kind of their second big man option. Uh, he figures to be their leading scorer this season. The replacement at center for Coloco looks like it's going to be Omar Ballo. He's a seven-footer. He played minutes last season, so he knows Tommy Lloyd's system, and I think he's got a lot of upside. Again, a big man against a mid-major. We like that combination. And Arizona, if they're going to be scoring a lot of points, the guy that's going to make the engine go is point guard Kerr Creasa. So if you think that Arizona's going to score a lot of points in this game, then Kerr Creasa is going to get a lot of fancy points because he does a lot with scoring and assisting as well. So a game that we're generally trying to avoid because of the low tempo is going to be Wisconsin and South Dakota. Wisconsin's one of the slowest teams in the country, which if you watch them play, that should not surprise you to hear at all. But Wisconsin does have two breakout candidates, in my opinion, and that is Tanner Wall, who projects to be their big man this year, and Chucky Hepburn, who projects to be their leading scorer at guard this year. Last year, Wisconsin was dominated by Johnny Davis. You know, he was a super high usage player. He was just dominant in the Big Ten and in the non-conference for that matter. And they got to replace that production somewhere. 
Watching Wisconsin over the years, they are heavy in two-man basketball. They generally have one guard who is high usage and one big man who is high usage, and they'll get the ball to them in post-up, pick-and-roll, whatever, but they have one high-usage guard and one high-usage big man. If I'm right about that, it's going to be Chucky Hepburn and it's going to be Tanner Wall that are in those two roles. On the other side, South Dakota features two, in my opinion, heavy value plays. Paul Bruns is a transfer from somewhere else in one of the Dakota schools, I believe. I, I don't have it written down, but he is a transfer, and he was a on a bad team, and he filled up the stat sheet. Guess what? If you can fill up the stat sheet on a bad team, you can fill up the stat sheet on a good team. South Dakota is going to figure to contend for the Summit League Championship this year. So, you know, Paul Bruns can definitely give them a little bit of a scoring punch that they might need to get to that conference championship. And he is under $4,000 on DraftKings. I expect him to be a starter. I expect him to get some usage. Another guy for South Dakota is Mason Arkambault. So he is one of their leading returning players, and he figures to be at least guaranteed to get minutes and to get usage in this South Dakota lineup. Like I said, this game might be a low tempo, but if we got guys that we know we're going to get minutes and we know we're going to get usage, we want to get them into our lineups. Now, Memphis and Vanderbilt might be the closest matchup on this slate in terms of point spread and in terms of just you know the talent level between the two teams. Memphis is going to be very talented, but I don't think Vanderbilt's just going to be a walkover either. So for Memphis, SMU transfer Kendrick Davis figures to be their leading scorer. Um, he was outstanding at SMU. He was one of the biggest transfer gets this offseason. I think he will be their leading scorer when it's all said and done. And the other guy I like for Memphis, DeAndre Williams, is a versatile player. He can be your four. He can be your three. He can be your small ball five. If those are the lineups that Penny Hardaway ends up going with that are more small ball, he's going to fill up the stat sheet with points and rebounds, maybe even a few block shots as well. For Vanderbilt, they are they are missing a lot of pro- – let me start that sentence over. They are missing a lot of production from last season because of the graduation of Scottie Pippen Jr., the guy that I like for them this year, they lost a lot of in their rotation for big men as well. Quentin Malora Brown is a guy that played a decent role last season, averaged about 20 minutes a game. I think he will be their number one big man this season and their leading rebounder. I think he has a chance to really outperform his value at his salary on DraftKings. All right, so that does it for Monday night. So hopefully you got the guys that are the studs that you want to get in your lineup, maybe your mid-value plays that you want to get in your lineup, and hopefully I gave you a few value plays as well. Like I said, I'm probably not going to bat 1,000, but I can guarantee you that I did my research. Everything that I said, I believe in, and I'm going to be putting some of these guys into and out of my own lineups as well. So we'll just have to see how it goes. I think by Thanksgiving, we'll have a really good read on these teams and who to play when, who to play where, and it'll get a lot easier. But like I said, we can definitely take advantage of some of these pricings that are on DraftKings on opening night. All right, so that does it for this podcast, guys. If you were here for the college basketball coverage and you really enjoyed this episode, make sure to rate and subscribe. And also check out my other episodes as well. We do college football, NFL, and golf. And once football season starts to wind down a little more, we're going to be doing more and more NBA on the podcast also. So if you like what you're hearing, try out the other sports as well. Also, if you are interested in my full DFS lineups, they are going to be going live on my Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. And make sure you follow me on Twitter at Mike's Money Picks for the latest updates, stats, and news. All right.
that pretty much does it. Hope you guys enjoyed listening. I very much enjoyed getting to talk some college basketball for a little bit. College basketball is one of my favorites. I love it to death. I watch it pretty much every night on my TV, so I'm really excited about it. But hopefully you guys enjoyed it. That was the whole point. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Thank you guys for listening, and I will see y'all next time. Mm-hmm.